This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome, everyone, to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam. I'm your host, and I'm joined, as always, by Richard Blackaby. Always good to be with you, Sam. And we have a a third member here in studio, and we're very excited to talk. A (laughs) triumvirate. Richard, you're using those big uh, dictionary words again, and I'm going to have to ask you to... uh, uh, to use smaller, uh, shorter words that, that well, we... in light of our guest today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say that, so I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you uh, you work that out with him. But uh, we've got a very special guest, a dear friend uh, of ours, on the show today, talking about a new book that has just come out. And uh, with that, uh, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to Richard and let you introduce our, our special guest. I would be delighted to do that. Um, we do have a special guest today, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about this for at least two reasons. One is uh, for who it is. It's Rick Fisher, who is actually the vice president who administers uh, Blackaby Ministries International. So you can imagine what kind of uh, uh, miracles he has to perform to keep uh, all of our millennial staff in line and... Uh, and just uh, so, so, just before we go any further, like I, I, I don't think the millennials are the only ones that need keeping in line. All right, well, that's a different podcast, Sam. So, uh, yeah, we. Uh, in fact, if if anyone ever does uh, go to our website or is interested in having me or anyone else come and speak or do things. Uh, uh, Rick usually is the one that kind of uh, oversees that and manages my schedule and uh, people just did want to in- interface somehow with Blackie Ministries. Uh, Rick is overseeing that. And so appreciate him and all that he does. Uh, and, uh, so we're glad to have him here for that, but also he has written a, a book on, uh, legacy and that is a hot topic I know for a lot of people. And so, uh, Rick, welcome to our podcast today. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here. Now, I will have to say that uh, I do. I, I don't speak fluent North Carolina and Hill Country, but I I am somewhat conversant. So, if I need to translate anything that Rick says, he's from the uh, the mountains of North Carolina. Uh, and so, uh, Rick, tell us uh, first of all, just. Uh, Kind of your involvement with Blackbeard Ministries and uh, what you've you've seen God do uh, through that. Yeah, well, Richard, certainly, if I can learn to interpret Canadian, <laughs> uh, you can deal with this. Mountain we we still speak English in that's, Canada. That's true. <laughs> the King's English. Um, well, it's 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 great to be here. It's I'm excited about the book. Uh, excited about what's going on just in Blackbeard Ministries in general. Uh, just how God has used this these last months to give us a new opportunity to have a increased virtual presence in ministry and all the new opportunities that are in front of us. So excited about that. I am from the mountains of North Carolina. I grew up in a, in a home. My grandfather was a pastor and uh, five of his grandsons became pastors. And so I actually was living in the middle of a spiritual legacy without realizing in having a real sense of what was going on. But Especially when I became a grandparent about 15 years ago, uh, God began to get my attention about the next generations. And so this book, uh, which is called From Generation to Generation, focused on building a godly legacy, kind of came out of what God began to teach me as I began to get more serious about 
what it means to uh, invest in the next generations. Now, uh, you you make a distinction between leaving an inheritance and leave, leaving a legacy. What what's how do you define the difference? Well, when you think about inheritance, you think about what you're going to get physically, usually from uh, the estate or the life of the person who in your family who's gone before you, your uh, ancestors. Uh, but a legacy is not just what we leave physically, but what we invest in the next generation. That's our legacy. Um, our legacy is who we are to them, what we have taught them, what we have lived out in front of them, and the impact that it has on their life actually becomes our legacy. Yeah, a lot of times in the will, you have no idea what you're getting until it's announced and the person is deceased. But uh, a legacy, you they've been given that to you all along. You, you already know what that is. Uh, well, you know, Rick, there's, uh, as you and I know, and, and we travel a lot together uh, speaking around the world, and uh, one of the number one things that uh, Christians will come and share with us is just the heartache of having ki- kids that they took to church every Sunday, had them in youth group, had them in youth choir, sent them on mission trips, sent them to youth camp in the summer. I mean, put them into every Christian uh, activity that you could for their kids right up through high school. And then they go off to college, and oftentimes uh, within a semester or two, they've already announced that they, they've given up some of that belief in the Bible or they're, they're not going to church anymore. And these parents are just devastated because, I mean, as best they knew, they they had surrounded their kids with Christian influence. And... They're appalled at how quickly the world can influence their kids away. And so your, your book, you talk a lot about that, just um, ways to uh, build into the kids a lot deeper than just church attendance. And so w- what are some things that you found? And you, 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 I, I probably for full disclosure, you should tell us uh, how many kids you have and how they're doing before we uh, take you seriously. We need to know how your kids are doing. <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> uh, well, I, I just celebrated a birthday recently, and they they each wish me a happy birthday, so they're still speaking to me. <laughs> I have two uh, adult uh, girls, both married, great sons-in-law, um, and have five grandchildren. Oldest is 15, youngest is four, and uh, they are doing well. They're uh, serving the Lord. They love the Lord. They're, I'm watching my daughters and my sons-in-law now invest into their children, uh, spiritual truths, and living it out in front of them. I remember uh, thinking about that whole idea of, of young people walking away from the church or faith in the, in the college years. I grew up in a pretty sheltered environment. Um, we checked all the boxes. <laughs> we were in church all the time. My parents surrounded me with um, Christian friends and other Christian parents. They enlisted allies to help them in this, create that atmosphere. Um, but I remember when I went to, to college, I encountered this crisis of belief. I heard things I had never heard in my life Um about what other people believed. And I thought to myself, wow, people actually believe that. And I hadn't heard of that before. So I had to figure out, is that something I'm going to take into my belief system? Or am I going to believe what I've been taught when I was growing up? And the thing that turned the corner for me was the authenticity of my parents' faith. Hmm. I looked, I remembered our home life. And I remembered that mom and dad didn't just take me to church they didn't just say you need to be around Christian friends. They didn't say don't go here, don't go there, don't do this. 
they actually lived out their faith in front of me in the home. Everything we did, uh, my dad especially was a strong spiritual leader in our home, and, and I watched his faith influence and flavor everything he did. No, tell, no, just so people know, what did your dad do? He wasn't a pastor. No, dad was, a, when I was young, dad was a plumber. <laughs> he was, uh, and then he got a greater title of pipe fitter, which was increased his pay a little bit. Uh-huh. He, he worked in industrial maintenance. He worked in a field where there's a lot of tough, manly kind of men, you know, it was a, uh, a, a tough environment to now, work in. And tell us, I love the story about your dad when he had to go, was, uh, had to take time off because of medical conditions. Yeah. Dad was a person who, uh, he had a, a radical experience with Christ when I was in elementary, uh, school and it changed his life. He totally transformed him. And so he took his faith into the workplace, even though it was a tough place and, and, and a lot of guys with rough lives and rough language and, and dad just lived out his faith and ministered to those men. So, um, dad had a heart attack and had to miss work for six weeks. And there was no provision in, um, in his company at the time years ago to pay a person when they were out of work. So he was going to be without pay for six weeks and, uh, he was paid weekly by check that arrived in the mail. And so the first week he was out, he expected to not receive a check. And lo and behold, the check shows up in the mailbox. And my dad, being the man of integrity that he was, called the office and said, there must be a mistake. You sent me a check. And they said, oh, no, Mr. Fisher, um, uh, that's not a mistake. All the men that are under your supervision have asked us to garnish their wages every week so that you will receive your full paycheck while you're out of work. So it just speaks to what the atmosphere I grew up in. I I didn't have to look past my dad to know what it looked like to be a man who followed God. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. And and so you're, I know now for you, uh, like for me, you've got adult children that you're encouraging um, and walking with. And it's certainly a different relationship once your kids leave home. You, You don't, you can't just tell them what to do. And then you're also relating to five uh, grandkids that down to the age of four, uh, and you're trying to somehow translate your walk with God in a way that a four-year-old makes sense to him. But then you've got you know teenage grandkids too, and you're and there now the world is opening up before them. You've got a grandson who's uh, your oldest. It's uh, quite an athlete, and the whole world of sports and popularity and high school is before him and. Uh, and so as a, as a grandfather, as, as you got this son that, a grandson that uh, is, uh, is quite a gifted athlete and all the popularity of the world before him, uh, you know, how do you, how do you translate that to a, a kid in high school and a four-year-old mm-hmm. so that uh, they, they grow up to love the same Jesus that you love? Yeah, and, and that, that 15-year-old is quite good-looking. He, he uh, takes after his grandmother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <but> thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It, it, and one of the things that we say in the book is um, pray for God to, to make you sensitive to opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, that he will create in you a, kind of a receptor to understand. You'll kind of always, your antenna will always be up 
to to recognize when it's an opportunity to kind of turn the conversation or to speak something from your life into their life because you can't just lecture 15 year olds you can't yeah. just say let's sit down for 30 minutes here and let me pour into you uh, but it's nice when you look at their instagram site and and their tag on their instagram site is to god be the glory yeah you know so in high you, school you yeah. you recognize that some of that's and we've intentionally done that. And we describe in the book how we've done that with investing scripture at certain times and, and our prayer life and prayer journals that my wife has done. And then just those teachable moments that we've used. And, and the four-year-old, it's a whole different story. He's a very gregarious <laughs> young man and, and kind of off the wall. And so we, but we have some very simple things we teach all of our grandchildren as they're young and, and then get into elementary school. My wife's written a Bible study for them that, that uh, they go through. We teach them various songs. We teach them specific scriptures that they are learning. Uh, my middle grandson, when he was uh, a couple of years ago, he went through a lot of uh, spike spiking fever where his fever would get really high and he would just hallucinate and just scream. And one night my daughter called us and said, and her husband was out of town and said, oh, I could, we could hear our grandson screaming in the background and she was just needing help. And so we immediately, my wife just got in the car and went over there and, and I was going. So in case they needed to take him to the emergency room. And so my wife just grabbed him and held him and she began to sing into his ear uh, a couple of the songs that she had taught him starting when he was two and three years old. And about halfway through the first song, she heard a little voice start singing with her. Mm. And she said, after about the first song and a half, she just grew still and quiet mm. and, and he was better. So it was, we taught something at t age two or three that age eight, God used to minister into his life, just that spiritual deposit that had been made. You never know how it's going to, bear fruit. Yeah. Well, one last thing before a break, uh, and you're one, uh, like myself that just married way above, uh, our, 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 our grade. <laughs> and, uh, for Deb, your wife, uh, I, something I learned from her was prayer journals for the grandkids and maybe describe that. Uh, cause it's something I thought was a great idea. And I, I just took from her and do it myself now. Praying specifically for your, for your children based on not just what's going on in their life at the moment, but what God is showing you is, is in, in your life about them and then making a record of that, writing it down. What are you praying uh, for them? And then come back later when God answers that and, and keep a record of his answers. And so she's doing that for each grandchild. And when that grandchild is um, probably headed into college or somewhere in that neighborhood of years, uh, we'll give it to them yeah. and say, here's a record of God's activity in your life as we have seen it and as we have prayed for you and as we have watched him work. Yeah. And so each grandchild has their own prayer journal. Mm -hmm. And and as you pray for them, uh, you write down what you're praying and you write down what you're seeing God do. And, you know, I, I, I was so impressed by that. I started a journal for the, my six grandkids. And, and, you know, when they're real young, you're praying a lot of stuff, uh, uh, that you're hoping to see in their life. But as they start to talk and navigate themselves, you start to see things. And, uh, you know, I remember my, I've got twin grandsons I've talked about and my older one, Emerson, uh, he's pretty laid back and easy going in some ways. And his younger twin brother, by 
younger by two minutes, Logan, he can sometimes get a little high strung about certain things. And uh, one day their mother brought out their pajamas and uh, and Emerson matching pajamas. He threw his on. But Logan, for some reason, they didn't have the matching set for Logan. So they're, they're mismatched pajamas. Well, Logan was this quite uh, put out about that that was he couldn't sleep with pajamas that didn't match it wasn't right and wasn't the way it was supposed to happen and he's starting to have a meltdown about mismatched pajamas and uh, without even saying anything Emerson his older brother just starts stripping down his pajamas hands them to his younger brother and says you just have you wear mine and and he happily wore mismatched pajamas well just a a, a little thing that two four-year-olds do but uh but I remember hearing that, and I remember writing down in, in Emerson's journal that story and saying, he's only four, but when he saw his brother in need, he, he gave everything he had. He just, he literally, the shirt off his back to just so that his brother was okay. And he didn't criticize his brother and say, that's childish, that's silly, what are you crying about that for? He saw his brother was hurting, and, and he did what he could. And so I wrote that down, and I and then I just prayed a prayer, and I just said, God, um, you've already given Emerson a tender heart, a sacrificial heart that is willing to pay a price to help others. And I pray he never loses that. Mm-hmm. I pray when he's an adult and he sees people in need at work or wherever, his church, that he'll still have that same heart. And people will know if you have a need, just go to him. Uh, and, you know, and I plan to do the same thing when they're maybe when they get married or maybe when they're in college uh, and they start to read back what their grandparents witnessed, Mm -hmm. they they won't remember that story, but then they'll read about what they did when they were four and what, and not just what they did, but what I sense God doing. And I think uh, hopefully that will really encourage them to say, wow, when I was just a preschooler, people were already seeing God's hand at work in my life. So Mm -hmm. great stuff. Let's, uh, let's just take a break. And when we get back, we'll dig into some more of this. Twice a year, Blackaby Ministries hosts a spiritual leadership coaching workshop in the Atlanta area. The focus of this workshop is learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. The next workshop is October 26th and 28th, and registration is open now. The early bird rate is available until September 26th, and space is limited. To find out more and to register, visit blackabycoaching.org. Links will be in the show notes. Well, it's been great uh, with Rick Fisher talking about just how to leave a legacy. And Rick, I know some people listening today are going to be thinking to themselves, I needed to hear this 10 years ago. I'm already well into raising my kids or uh, relating to my grandkids, and I haven't done this. And now I'm worried I've lost ground. Or How do you, how do you go back later to your kids or grandkids and, and sort of say, hey, I, I, I should have done treated you differently? What, what do you do at this point? I mean, you can't go back. But what do you start doing today that perhaps leaves a better legacy than what uh, you were going to leave them if you hadn't made some changes? Well, I think we can get caught up in kind of bemoaning the past or or feeling uh, negative about ourselves uh, for not having done it. But it's I found it's never too late to trust God to do Mm -hmm. what God says he will do and and to drive a stake in the ground and say, as for me, as for my family, we're going to press in a different direction we're going to face in a different direction it begins with you it you have to begin with yourself and and of course i'm a man i'm the the father the grandfather uh in in the family and i believe that the family takes its cue from me mm-hmm. in many ways and so i need to set that marker i need to set that standard 
And so I think just just forgetting what is behind and not living in regret mm. and saying, God, what would you have for today forward? What would you begin to do in me to change me? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think, too, it never hurts to audit what your your kids or grandkids are hearing come out of your mouth. Because mm-hmm. you and I both know that there are, there are, there are men, especially, that if you asked your kid, their kids, what do they, what does your dad talk about? They'd say football or baseball or hunting or, boy, you, you start talking about uh, the economy or you start talking about politics or, and, boy, dad will just, he'll pontificate for hours about that. But if you ask them, well, what, is you, what have you heard your dad talk about the things of God? Uh, about what he's praying for, what God's been doing in the family, and you, you get this sort of blank look on his kid's face. Well, Dad never talks about that. And so I'd say, you know what? It doesn't mean you don't ever talk about the other, but uh, this is a time, it, whatever you talk about reveals what is the most important in your heart. Right. If you never talk to your kids about God, that's going to communicate to them. And And so don't be surprised if your kids grow up and all they think about is making money and how to invest to make more money, guess where they probably got that from? Mm-hmm. Listening mm-hmm. to their dad or their mom talk all the time. And they figured that's what dad always talked about, money. So I guess that's what matters. Um, and so, you, you know, it can be quite troubling at first when you take an audit and you realize my kids or grandkids never hear me talk about God. But like you said, but you can start today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't mean you have to start preaching to them, but just make sure God makes it into the conversation so that they know that he is important to you. And, uh, and, and it, you may not feel comfortable talking about it at first, but, uh, you will start to, if you just keep on talking about God and answering questions and, um, asking them questions. Uh, well, um, you, you're also writing another book that's not necessarily for, to be published, uh, popularly, but, uh, Sounds like a really interesting book that you're putting together. What what is that? Well, it's it's really the history of our family in in through events that have occurred in my life and our family's life, from vacation to uh, other circumstances, things in my life I've seen God do as I've traveled around the world, things in ministry, lessons I've learned. I call it the arm of God, which is a real important. Uh, picture for me is the strength of God, the presence of God, the activity of God. And I want to show my children and grandchildren uh, how God has actively worked in our family through the years. And uh, so I tell a lot of things that the public would not be interested in, but our family would, and try to point them and even use some scripture, the lessons God taught me from that, uh, say it in such a way that they can glean from it. And uh, some of them have contributed story ideas say, you know, Papa, tell this story. Uh, mm-hmm. Make sure that makes it in the book. And so my oldest grandsons are already asking me when it's going to be ready. But the problem is I can't finish writing. So I'm going to have to finish it at a certain point and then just do uh, addendums <laughs> as, yeah. as God yeah. gives us years. But it's it's really so they can just sit down even long after I'm gone and say, here's the God that. Papa served, and here's the God we serve. Yeah, and I know there's things like I know your wife at one point had uh, cancer, and yep. there's some ways in which God spared her life and has watched over you. God has looked out for you and me when uh, airplane pilots in Brazil couldn't <laughs> land and had to take several runs. And uh, that or story made it in the book. <laughs> dri- driving through uh, Lagos, Nigeria, with the uh, armed security guards, and uh, there's several times where we weren't quite sure we'd be making it back alive, but. Uh, 
and there's there are moments where uh, our grandkids need you. You build your own Christian legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, Rick. One uh, one story you tell that I really uh, I think is so powerful too, and that's. I remember you telling the story about being up in the balcony and watching a mm. family uh, worshiping God, uh, mm. dad, mom, and their two kids. Yeah. Tell, tell us that story because I think that's a great image, I think, of us to be to be remembering. Yeah, it's just the power of our influence of our actions. I, I was in worship one Sunday at my church, and I was on the front row of the balcony, and uh, as we were singing a wonderful praise song or hymn, I I was just looking at the congregation as people were praising the Lord. And right below me, there was a family uh, occupying one pew, just the one family. And the mom and the two daughters were kind of on one end, and the dad and his son were on the other end. And I saw the mom, and she was just singing and praising the Lord. And the two daughters beside her, they were singing and praising the Lord. And on the other end of the pew, there was this dad who was standing there very casually with his arms folded, chewing, chewing gum while the uh, singing was going on in the wonderful praise song. And I saw his little son standing beside him, and I literally caught it at this moment. God just gave me this window. I saw the son. He looked at his mom and his sister singing. And then he turned and looked at his dad with his arms folded and a solemn expression on his face. And the little boy looked back to his mom and his sisters, looked back at his dad, and then he folded his arms and with a solemn expression, didn't sing at all. Yeah. And it would just broke my heart to just watch that happen because of this dad, I'm sure, didn't want his son to grow up. He had his son in church that day, and he would not want that son to grow up. If you ask him, say, would you want your son to grow up and not want to worship God or walk away from God? And the dad would say, no. Yeah. Brought him to church every week. Yeah. But if we just check the box, that's not enough. Yeah. Uh, Young people can see through that. And those, (laughs) those are the dads that later when their kid leaves church in college and says, there's just nothing there for me, the dad will be bewildered and say, well, I took him to church every Sunday. And what, what he didn't realize is, but what did my son see of me in church every Sunday? And there was nothing inspiring, nothing to say, this is a mighty God that we worship and we serve. And, uh, and so I, that, that story has always uh, been a real profound marker for me. Cause, and sometimes we don't necessarily feel like being all in worshiping. Maybe we've had, we didn't sleep well the night before, you know, or maybe we were running late or I've had a migraine all week and but here I am in church. And, and there's times I've had to just stop and say, but my kids are watching me. Uh, my grandkids are watching me. And I don't want my grandkids to ever look at me frowning in a worship service or looking at my watch, wondering how much longer it's going to be. Because all those, those images that they get is, going to, is shaping their heart and their view of God. And, uh, you know, one other thing, too, and I know you and uh, Deb are, are big uh, prayers, but... Uh, the way you pray, the way you talk to God mm-hmm. uh, will have a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Not just the fact you pray privately for them, but when they hear you talk to God. What, how, how does that impact kids and grandkids? Like you're watching and listening to you pray. I think early in my life, I, I was guilty of cliche praying. I, I would just, uh, whether it was the blessing over food or whatever it was, I I repeated phrases I had heard, mm-hmm. whether they were right or wrong, theologically, uh, I, I did. But then God got my attention and 
I began to pray differently personally it, it, in my own personal devotion time. And as I prayed publicly, it, I, I began, I had a professor in college who simply walked into the classroom and opened every class of our New Testament class with prayer. And, and I was very uncomfortable at first because it felt like you were just listening to his personal conversation with God. He was not praying cliches. He was talking to a God he was very familiar with and had a relationship with, and it impacted my life. And I began a journey of praying differently from that time forward. And so now when I pray publicly before my family, I'm praying for what's going on at that moment. I'm praying for them by name. I'm praying for something that I want to see God do in their life, whether it's the time we're praying before we eat a meal or whenever it is, we're going to, we're going to do that. And, and just a final word, I remember we were, we had just celebrated the baptism of my middle grandson and we were all together and. At that time, my 14-year-old grandson, he, he was our oldest, but at 14 at the time, I, I asked him, and God just impressed me to give him an opportunity to express himself in front of the family. And so I said, would you just pray today as we gather and before we eat? And so I called on him and said, Thomas, would you pray? And he said, well, before I pray, I just want to say something to my cousin. I want to say to you, Jace, you made the most important decision of your life, buddy. And if you ever need me, I'm there for you. Hmm. And then he led our family in prayer. Of course, there was not many dry eyes yeah. in the adults yeah. in the house, but, but God sometimes will give you a glimpse if you watch and listen. He'll give you a glimpse of just the fruit of doing things that are intentional and on purpose mm. in investing in your family. You make a lot of mistakes, and trust me, that book is full of mistakes that we've made <laughs> along the way and lessons we've learned. But God honors intentionality, yeah. I believe. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes we, we in our zeal, we, you might hear a podcast like this and then want to sit all your kids down and, you know, talk to them <laughs> about God. And it's, it's like you, you've got to let the Spirit of God guide you to know right. the right moments. And, yeah. and you know, you, could, you might go several days in the week and not have that opportunity. And that's fine. That's just it, it wasn't set up. They weren't in a place for it. But what you, you don't want to miss that drive to school in the car that morning where mm-hmm. they were wanting to talk. And uh, you, you've got to be, don't be so distracted yourself with your cell phone or whatever else that you you miss what God's doing. And as a parent or grandparent, you just have to be at your post ready mm-hmm. for that moment that God says, this is the moment. Uh, maybe stop talking and ask the right question. Uh, notice something, observe what's going on, what's different right now. And uh, you, you don't want to miss those moments when they come along. And mm-hmm. uh, so this is uh, some great stuff, you know, and I, I just would encourage you, we'll have all the uh, reference, uh, the ways uh, to get this book uh, in, the, in the show notes here. You can go to our website and our store. We always have it. And uh, but uh, I want to just encourage you, there, you. You may be someone that reads books on politics, on uh, investments, on all kinds of different things. Uh, but uh, it, leaving a legacy, a spiritual legacy for your family, I can't imagine anything more important. And so uh, take time to maybe, maybe you haven't read much on, on that topic before, but uh, it's not a long read. Uh, Rick doesn't use a lot of big words, so it's easy <laughs> to follow. Uh, but powerful truths, and I can't imagine anything more worthy of your investment than yeah. investing in the spiritual legacy of your family. That's true. 
So thanks, Rick, for being with us. And oh, thank you. Encourage folks. And uh, if you ever need uh, something from Rick, uh, you can always uh, leave questions on the Blackview website. Uh, and uh, he's, he ministers with us and very, very much an important part of all that we do. And so I wanted also just for everyone to get, get to know him and to know his heart. And uh, he speaks as well. He's been a pastor for many, many years. And so he often speaks with me on the road and uh, doing revivals and other meetings. So you might just want him to come, uh, he and his wife, and do even a conference. They do various things uh, together on this topic as well. And so just uh, excited to have him on this show and uh, pray that uh, those of you listening will, will let the Spirit of God uh, speak to them, uh, speak to you about what you might need to do to upgrade the legacy that you're leaving your family for years to come. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.